Welcome to the Light of God's Word broadcast, a broadcast that shines the light of God's Word through expositional teaching of the Word of God. This broadcast is a ministry of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church in Lewisburg, Tennessee. You can find out more information about our church at www.lewisburglighthouse.com. Hello there, and thanks again for taking part of your day and spending it here with us on the broadcast. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and we'll pick up our reading in verse number 18 as we continue to contrast from this passage of Scripture human wisdom and the wisdom of the gospel. Let's begin in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ and him crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we find a contrast between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of men. In this passage thus far, we have looked at the fact that the church of Corinth had a great group of people who claimed to be wise. The problem is they began to use their wisdom, if you will, in a way that divided the church and ultimately set themselves in opposition to Paul and the gospel of Jesus Christ. In their pursuit of wisdom, they became very arrogant. And so Paul began to move his talk into contrasting human wisdom and the gospel, understanding that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are saved people and there are lost people. People who believe in the gospel and people who believe in their works for salvation. And as they begin to believe in their works for salvation, it often puffs them up. And they begin to put a great emphasis and focus on human wisdom. But as we looked at last week in verse 19, human wisdom ultimately will be destroyed. Uh, human wisdom has also been made foolish. Paul asked, hath not God made, the made foolish the wisdom of this world? There are a lot of things in our human wisdom we think to be brilliant, and they are oftentimes quickly shown to be foolish. Now, as we look at a very important topic, we come down to verse number 21. Uh, Paul has been talking about how human wisdom fails in comparison to the wisdom of God, and in verse 21, he says this, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Can I say this morning or today, as you listen to this, I am thankful for the foolishness, if you will, 
of preaching. Paul began to explain that human wisdom was unable to find ultimate reality, ultimately God himself. As hard as they tried to raise themselves to the heights of wisdom, even the greatest religious leaders, the greatest philosophers of the world, did not know God. Paul did not mean that the unbelievers were unable to know truths about God. You see, God has revealed to himself to all people in the general revelation of creation, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Moreover, many of the unbelieving Jews understand much in the scriptures. Instead, Paul is saying here that the religious leaders, the philosophers, had not come to know God personally in a saving way in a way that they could have a relationship that is not attainable through human wisdom. And so in opposition to the efforts of their sinful humanity, it pleased God to choose another way to save those that believe. In the world's terms, the way of salvation through the gospel is viewed as the folly of what we preach. Paul here is contending that God's sovereign pleasure was to choose something that the wise philosophers of this world would consider foolish, a crucified Savior. The reality is this is, seems to be a, a foolish message. Why in the world, if he's going to come to save the world, would he do so by giving up his own life? By ordaining this seemingly foolish means of salvation, God made the world's so-called wisdom to be foolishness. Nevertheless, people are saved through preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preaching a message that God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad today that Christ God in the flesh died for you. To them that perish, that's foolishness. But to them that believe, it is the power of God. I want that to sink in today. The power of God is through the preaching of the gospel. Now, there are two kinds of unbelievers in the world. Look at verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. There are two kinds of unbelievers in the world. Paul says here that there are Jews, they require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, I've said before there are two kinds of people in the world, believers and unbelievers, but now Paul is showing us there are two kinds of unbelievers in the world, Jews and Greeks. The Jews demand signs, and the Gospels record that Jews repeatedly requested signs from Jesus to prove that he was God. He did, they did so in Matthew. They did so in John and several different passages. Yet even the miracles that Christ performed didn't satisfy them. And it didn't satisfy them because he would not perform them at their bidding. Let me say this. God doesn't work according to your commands. We are to work according to his commands. And so the Jews, they were looking for signs. They wanted them him basically, them to be able to say jump, and he say how high, and he prove himself to them. They reasoned that the true Messiah would provide whatever proof that they required. And so for this reason, many Jews rejected Jesus. 
But Paul also points out that the Greeks seek for something as well. They seek for wisdom. And by and large, the Greeks and many of these Corinthian uh, believers at this church in Corinth were indeed Greek. They didn't demand miracles, if you will, to validate the gospel. Instead, they exalted the standards of their pagan philosophies and the poets of the pagan philosophies. Ancient Greece was well known as the seed of, uh, of great philosophy and philosophers. The Greeks took great pride in their uh, sophistication. Many Greeks, therefore, rejected the gospel because it just didn't meet their standards of human wisdom. Can I say this? This same mentality is still prevalent in our society today. In fact, as you look at many different religions and many different denominations of, of quote-unquote Christianity, their, their, their plan of salvation, if you will, isn't just simply to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, as Paul told the Philippian jailer. They add much more to it. In fact, you'll notice what they add to it. The majority of the time is indeed works, things that you must do to rectify what you had done wrong. Several years ago, just outside of our church, there were some young men walking down the street, and they stopped and paused to have a conversation with me. I was just there cutting the grass, and they were from a denomination and uh, that, that's, that's not Baptist, as, as I am, and we began to talk about the Bible, and we first agreed on what is the Bible. Do we both believe the same thing as the Bible? And they partially did, and so we began to talk back and forth, and I asked them this question. If someone came to them and asked them, what must I do to be saved? What would you tell them? And so he began to go through this long list of things that you must do, and he concluded his statement with, ultimately, it comes down to good works. This was his words. And so I, I, I took his Bible, and I, I turned over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, where the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you see, in their wisdom, they add to the gospel because it just doesn't. That simple plan of salvation that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came and died on the cross, was buried and rose again, believing that he did so to purchase your salvation just doesn't seem like enough. It just doesn't meet the standards of human wisdom. But understand this, we're not here to meet their standards. We must meet God's standard. And the only thing that can meet God's standard is the perfect shed blood of Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. We need to understand this. Only the gospel can save the two kinds of unbelievers in the world, those who demand signs and those who seek wisdom. And so Paul says in verses 23 and 24, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. In contrast to the standards of judgment used by the Jews and Greeks, the apostles said, listen, I simply preach Christ crucified. 
Paul constantly refers to the preaching of the cross to represent the redemptive work of Christ. Now understand this, these are the words of Paul, but above all, these are the words of God. It's God moved Paul to write these words. He gave Paul these words. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. See, these are the words of God. You see, the cross was a stumbling block to these Jewish listeners. It was foolishness to the Gentiles. The Jews understood the cross of Christ as a demonstration that Christ was cursed of God, not blessed as they expected the Messiah to be. Many Gentiles, however, they could hardly have imagined a more ridiculous religion than one that proclaimed salvation through the death of one man on a Roman cross. In their minds, a God who cannot overcome his human enemies and died at their hands like a common thief was not a God who someone should trust for salvation. Almost all Jews and Gentiles rejected the true gospel because it didn't meet their standards of judgment. One group of people joyfully accepted the gospel of the cross. Those are those who are saved. Some Jews, some Gentiles, but people who simply believed what God had done for them. And lastly, let me say this. Human wisdom is outclassed by God's foolishness. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul closes this out by explaining how a person could accept the way of salvation in Christ as wise when most people considered it foolish. They considered it foolish. But moreover, Paul is saying this, the gospel is stronger than men. People cannot rescue themselves from the bondage to sin or its punishment by their own power. As the Bible tells us, human wisdom is unable to conquer the wages of sin, the death. Even so, the good news of Christ rescues and delivers. It overcomes this death. And those who believe in the gospel know the reality of its wisdom and power. And for this reason, they exalt Christ above all and his saving work. They understand that Jesus Christ is to be exalted above all. Above your wisdom, above your signs, Jesus Christ is to be exalted. Now I ask you today, number one, have you believed on Jesus Christ for salvation? If not, I encourage you to do so today. And secondly, if you are a born-again believer, you've trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation, are you exalting him above all? Or are you trying to push for signs and seek those signs? Are you looking instead uh, for his wisdom? Or are you exalting him above all? I encourage you to exalt him.